This is the On The Touchline Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Welcome to the show. Want to save 10% on your next DukeTigBrand.com order? Use the promo code BROADWATER19 at checkout. D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. If you've listened to the show before, you know how much I love DukeTig Brand. I use their Excel notebook, I use their waterproof notebook, and absolutely swear by their products. Go to duketigbrand.com right now, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com, and save 10% at checkout on your next order. From apparel to logos to coaching notebooks, DukeTig Brand has got you hooked up. DukeTigbrand.com, promo code BROADWATER19 at checkout. In season two, episode 25 of the On the Touchline podcast, I talked to Derek Lipton. And Derek is a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and board certified specialist in sports dietetics with experience in clinical weight management and sports nutrition. I've included a link in the show notes of how you can connect with Derek, and he is open to working with clients in person, but also virtually as well. So if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that from time to time, we sort of veer off and veer into other areas of wellness and fitness and things that relate to overall human performance. So that could be the physical side, the mental side, the nutrition side, etc. And I think that this is probably one of the most practical episodes of this podcast uh, that we've ever recorded. Derek is incredibly intentional and incredibly um, gives you very specific examples that you can take and apply and use, whether you're a coach, a player, or a parent, to help in preventative maintenance, but also in recovery. And having watched the Women's World Cup for the last month or so, um, recovery is incredibly important. Before we get into the conversation with Derek, you can find this podcast on 12 different podcasting platforms. So places like Stitcher, Google, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and of course, Apple Podcast. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcast, make sure you subscribe to the show, but go there right now. I want you to leave a five-star rating and a review for the show. This will take you all of 30 seconds to do. You can hit play again and resume the podcast. So go there now, five-star rating and a review. Help more and more people in the soccer and football community find out about this show. You can also reach out to me at any time, highly active on Twitter and Instagram, and my handle is at SoccerCoachJB. So if you have ideas or topics or want to engage that way, um, please, by all means, go ahead and reach out. All right, let's get into it. Season 2, Episode 25. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Derek Lipton. There's so much that goes into making an athlete. And, um, you know, I, I find the fitness journey, uh, I find the nutrition journey, 
incredibly valuable um, and just fascinating because I think more and more people are, are becoming aware of just how important um, you know that can actually be. So, uh, and you know that's your wheelhouse. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's my goal is to make people um, aware of it. Yeah, actually, when I was when I was at Duke in the fall, the uh, during one of the practices, the coach came up to me and was just like. Um, yeah, he he noticed like a big change in their energy during that season. Um, they had a dietitian work with them the year before, but um, in my position, I was able to be more hands on with the team, and like mm-hmm. I was able to be at every practice and at every home game. So, and he said, yeah, he noticed a big difference, um, just in the way they were recovering between games and just their overall energy, especially um late into the second half. So it, it definitely makes a big difference. It's just um getting people to know that like people know they need to go work on their footwork and their shooting and to see a strength coach but the nutrition aspect is um a lot of times overlooked mm-hmm. yeah so um derek lipton thank you for uh, coming on the latest episode of the, the on touchline podcast and uh i always start with the uh the question for guests that i think it's important for folks to know your backstory and kind of how you got into this line of work um, when it comes to, you know, wellness and uh, performance and, um, you know, uh, nutrition and uh, just all those things that sort of make up an athlete. And uh, so, yeah, tell folks a little bit about your backstory and um, we'll see where our conversation goes. Yeah. Um, so uh, when I was younger, I was a big athlete, mainly played, uh, I played baseball and soccer was my main sport all through high school. And probably I was junior after my junior season to like mid junior year high school is when I started finally getting into fitness as well and started, you know, just the basics, like, you know, protein shakes after eating more. And I noticed just the great change it made and how I got much stronger. Um, and it just by doing that. And by the next season, I was able to see, you know, the changes based on, you know, working out and having proper nutrition. Um, and then that sparked my interest in becoming a dietitian. So I went, you know, undergrad went to Maryland, studied dietetics, did the whole um, track of, you know, doing the internship, becoming a dietitian. And then from there, uh, my goal was always to work in sports nutrition. I did a little bit of clinical just to kind of get that experience, but it wasn't for me. Um, So then I worked at a performance center for a little bit, and then I started really diving into the sports nutrition world, which can be grueling because um, it's very competitive. It's... uh, very taxing. I uh, moved around a lot. Um, I was living in Virginia. Then I moved to Florida for seven weeks to work at IMG Academy. Then I moved to Athens, Georgia to work as a sports nutrition intern for a year. And then I worked at uh, Duke for, you know, in the fall with the soccer team doing sports nutrition. So I had to move again and then finally moved back to New Jersey. Um, so that's the career path that's taken me. And now I started my own uh, prior practice, full circle sports nutrition where I, you know, I work one-on-one with athletes to provide individualized nutrition planning um, based on what, you know, what they need. Because I found out a lot of young athletes, they just don't eat right. Um, they, it's hard because they wake up so early for school. Sometimes they have lunch at 10.30 a.m., which is, you know, it's breakfast time, really. Mm-hmm. And, and then they come to a training session at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and they haven't eaten anything since that early lunch. And, um, you know, it's really they're just underfueled and they don't feel it. And that's the problem. You know, I mentioned before nutrition gets overlooked. So you don't realize that you're lagging the energy if that's what you're used to. So um, that's my goal is to help young athletes, you know, perform better and utilize nutrition to maximize their energy. 
Tell me about the uh, the experience working with uh, Duke in uh, you know the the soccer program there. Um, were you on the, the men's or women's side? Um, I was with the men's team, and okay. it was just an unreal experience. the The coaching staff, the players were just I mean they were incredible. Um, you know they took me in right away. You know it didn't it didn't take me a while to warm up to them. You know by the second practice of preseason, you know they're having me help out with uh, crosses in the middle of practice and you know, every little bit of thing. And they really just welcomed me as much as they could. And it was just incredible because in addition to helping them so much, I learned a lot as well. And that's a lot of being a dietitian is learning on the job, you know, doing research, learning, uh, learning from others as well. And it's just, it, it's so hard to put into words how incredible that experience was because it was, you know, working with the best of the best soccer players, you know, ACC soccer, is, it's the best conference um, year in and year out for college soccer. So working with those best players, watching other teams with best players, is just an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess get really practical here for uh, for a moment um, in terms of, you know, uh, I always find that like sometimes the, the simplicity of, uh, you know, repetitive or the of uh, repetition rather. Um, and where I'm going with this is that, you know, I, I've talked with people at different times in my life and they've said, you know, man, it'd be great if I could lose five pounds or 10 pounds or something like that. And, you know, what it comes down to for me is diet and exercise. I mean, there's no sort of like, you know, magic formula, right? I mean, yeah. and, it, and it feels to me like uh, people for whatever reason, especially here in the States, like, chase after this like magic bullet but those things diet and exercise are hard and the fact that um you know that requires a little bit of sacrifice or a little bit of planning or a little bit of uh you know just uh you you can't cut corners if you want to be successful and there's a lot of parallels between that in terms of you know what they fuel their body with or or you know what they don't fuel their body with i guess but also uh, you know, how it relates to how they train, how they play a match, you know, those sort of things. And maybe what are, I don't know, in your experience, like three really practical things that someone could do, whether it be a coach, a player, a parent listening to this, that they could even do today to say, you know what, this is something different, really simple, really easy. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, again, there isn't a magic bullet, but they could at least start, you know, heading in the right direction. Uh, one easy step is planning ahead. Uh, a lot of times, if you don't if you don't plan out your meals and snacks ahead of time, you're scrambling, and that either means you skip out on nutrients and calories, or you mindlessly snack and you're getting too many calories. You know, depending on what your goal is. So the easy, the best thing is to just plan ahead. Um, I guess the second step, and not trying to make this like a marketing ploy, but work with a dietitian. Um, that I mean, that's what me and you know other dietitians are trained to do is is help people plan out you know everyone is an expert in in their field so as a soccer player you're obviously an expert in being a soccer player but nutrition might not be your expertise um and you know if you want to get better that's why you work with a coach and a private trainer because you're using their expertise um so you know know what your limits are and then work with others to you know help help you perfect everything else and I would say a third step is don't, don't overutilize the internet. 
there is a lot of information on the internet. Um, a lot of it's true. A lot of it's not true. And almost all of it contradicts each other because, you know, you'll see calories don't matter. And then you'll see weight loss is calories in minus calories out. And there's so much contradictory information involved and it can either just get confusing and cause you to give up or you find the wrong information. You know, I, I try to connect with local soccer teams and, and coaches. And when I was giving a presentation to one coach to try to connect with them, he asked me, you know, why can't the players just, you know, find, go, go online and find this information. And I'm like, they can, but it might not be the right information. And how do they utilize it? Right. So the, the internet's a great resource. Every kid has a smartphone now, so they can look this stuff up. But you just got to be careful to know what you're following. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a saying in the coaching world about, um, you know, be careful of the, uh, the snake oil salesman where they, um, you know, try to sell you, sell you the, uh, you know, the, the greatest, flashiest, the newest uh, sort of version of something. And sometimes those, uh, you know, most simplistic or most sort of tried and true um, ways of doing things. Um, there's a reason why they've sort of withstood the test of time. And, uh, I, I wonder if you've encountered that in your line of work where you see people that are sort of, you know, uh, trying to make a buck quick, um, because they might have some training, you know, uh, in your area, but they're really, you know, I hate to say it almost fooling the consumer, uh, you know, in, in some ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, all over the place. And, and there's kind of two realms with that. Um, first is like the Instagram influencers, you know, the fitness coaches and trainers that, um, you know, try to sell their products or try to sell nutrition advice. And a lot of it is, you know, meal plans or macro counting that tends to be a little bit off or the, what's more annoying is the supplements. A lot of them try to promote supplements and cause they get a commission off that and say, Hey, use my code for a discount. But really they get, some cut from that too. And the problem with these supplements is a lot of them aren't necessary, you know, multivitamins, pre-workouts, things like that. You don't need them if you get a good diet. Um, and the other issue pertaining to athletes is that supplements aren't regulated. So there's, you know, some supplements that go through third par party testing by a company called uh, NSF. And what that means is that they're tested for banned substances. So you don't fail drug tests and to make sure that, the nutrition label is accurate. So if it says 20 grams of protein, it actually is 20 grams of protein. If it's not third-party tested, that label can say anything. It could say 50 grams of protein, but really there's 10 grams. And they have done studies and found that some of these supplements do that. They lie. Um, and and that's, that's just kind of the issue. Um, so I try to stay away from those kind of issues um, and those people on Instagram. But then the other issue is there's a lot of like substandard nutrition certifications out there. Um, and people don't really know the difference between that and working with, um, a dietitian. Um, I don't, I don't really want to call out those, uh, those brands cause I don't want to get in trouble, but there are, um, nutrition certifications with, you know, certain levels of certifications. And, um, a lot of them are like advanced certifications that personal trainers get. And, you know, it's, yeah, they teach you good things, but there's a lot more to nutrition than just, you know, simple weight management and, you know, giving the right foods. It's a lot of identifying concerns. Um, and these cert other certifications don't cover the clinical aspect. And what I've noticed with um, 
sports nutrition, particularly with female athletes, is disordered eating. Um, and they don't come to you saying, hey, I have an eating disorder. But when you start to work with them, you realize they're, they have these issues um, and concerns that someone who just has one of these other certifications isn't trained to identify and work with. So it's really, you, got, you just got to be really careful with, you know, who you're working with um, and what they're trying to sell. Because, yeah, a simple, you know, a fitness trainer can add this nutrition certification to get that nutrition coaching and help sell clients on that. But they're not necessarily, you know, giving the 100% of, you know, what that athlete needs. Mm-hmm. I, very well said there. Uh, <laughs> tremendously interesting, too, to know um you know, much like soccer coaching, that there's a whole lot of nuance, uh, you know, to all that. And that, um, you know, the some of the parents that I've worked with in my career, I mean, they they couldn't tell you the difference between a U.S. Soccer Federation license or a United Soccer Coaches license or, you know, a man on the moon license, <laughs> uh, for that matter. And, um, you know, but I also think, too, that uh, part of it has to be the delivery for us, you know, in a coaching role and in a in an influential type of role where, you know, we're, I mean, we have people's livelihoods really in the palm of our hand, um, you know, largely. So um, there's a, there's a lot of care and a lot of, um, you know, con- concern, I guess, uh, is kind of how I would you know, approach that. Um, I'm curious about uh, hydration in that, um, you know, some, something that I harp on my own son about that, you know, he needs to drink more water and, uh, yeah, he takes his water bottle to school, but you know, he comes back and it's like half empty and I'm like, dude, like, what are you doing? You know? And there I am walking around with like water bottle most days. Um, feel like I can't get enough water quite honestly. And just how important being hydrated, uh, you know, can be for, uh, especially for a soccer player. I mean, it's so important. Um, if you ask any of my players from Duke, they will, uh, probably the first thing they associate me is with hydration because I just, I hammer that into them at least once a week, the importance of it, um, especially during preseason. Uh, it, it, it's so overlooked and I use that. And I feel like I use that phrase a lot, but um, it's just, you know, it's so important, but we don't think about it because we think about food and calories for energy, but we don't think about what happens with, you know, hydration. So yeah, you know, you need your fluids, but then there's also the type of fluids. One question I get a lot is, is it possible to be overhydrated? And yeah, the answer is yes. If you sweat so much and you're losing a lot of um, you know, electrolytes in that sweat, um, then, and you just replace it with water, then you're, you can become what's called hyponatremic because you're losing so much sodium, but you're not replacing that sodium. And what happens is you, you know, you're low on sodium, you can cramp, you can get injured. So, yeah, so hydration is important, but you want to also make sure that you're getting electrolytes in there as well. Um, A good rule of thumb, you know, for athletes during the day is about half an ounce of fluid per pound of body weight throughout the day. And that's in addition to what you lose from sweat. So, um, for example, you know, a 160 pound athlete would want to drink 80 ounces of water during the day and then monitor their sweat rate during a training session as well. And that's just, um, that's just a good rule of thumb, basically. And the reason is, you know, hydration, dehydration leads to decreased energy. It leads to increased injury risk and cramping. Uh, you know, muscle tears and strains 
can keep you out for a long time. And a lot of times, you know, electrolytes and hydration can be to blame for those. And that's kind of just a silly way to, you know, miss playing time. Mm-hmm. What about things like, uh, you know, Gatorade or, or Powerade or even, um, I've seen it, uh, like nutrition stores where you can actually put electrolytes, you know, basically in a bottle of water by, you know, dumping in a supplement or, or something like that. Um, you know, sort of what is your thinking there? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the general rule of thumb is if you're exercising for more than one hour, then you need uh, Gatorade or Powerade. That's just very generic um, and kind of hard to calculate. If you're a soccer player and you're out there sweating, especially in the summer heat, bring Gatorade with you, bring or Powerade. Um, and what, I've, what I noticed, because I remember experiencing this as a player, is it's hard to drink Gatorade during a game or practice because it kind of sits in your stomach. So that's fine. Um, what you can do is, you know, cut it with water a little bit. So maybe it sits a little bit better or, you know, load up, not load up, but, you know, drink some earlier in the day before that session. So you have those extra electrolytes in you. And then you can just drink water during the session to maintain hydration. Some of those supplements you were talking about, um, you know, good ones are like Gatorlites and uh, the right stuff. I'm not sure if that's what you're talking about. But yeah, those are great for very heavy sweaters. Um, especially for games, training sessions, maybe depends how much you're sweating and how prone you are to, you know, electrolyte depletion, but those are great. What we did it yet yeah, with Duke is, um, before the game, every, all the starters and, and like first subs would take a packet of the electrolytes of the Gator lights and take those in and, you know, mix it with some water Gatorade and have that before the game. And that was for everyone because they're losing so much. And then, what I learned early in the season is certain players were more cramp prone, especially our midfielders and wingbacks. So I gave them, you know, either an extra one right before the game or typically during their pregame meal, which was about four hours before I gave them another one of those packets and said, Hey, mix this with your Gatorade, sip on this for the next few hours before warmups, because it's so important. You, you lose so much sodium when you sweat. Um, so that's why, you know, water alone, and sometimes even Gatorade or Powerade alone isn't enough for those sweat prone athletes. Mm-hmm. Tell me about uh, recovery. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and you know, talking about a, a size of a, a high school uh, boys roster and this particular high school was struggling with uh, some numbers. So, you know, um, they're, you know, they don't have a, you know, ample subs and, um, you can't really uh, share share the wealth in terms of playing time. I mean, guys are going and they're going for the full, you know, full match. Um, what should they be doing, you know, on off days or what should they be doing, um, you know, when they're not training and what does sort of a rest and recovery period um, look like uh, for someone maybe in that situation or, uh, you know, even an athlete that plays, you know, trains uh, multiple times a week has maybe a match on the weekend or, or something like that. Um, so the biggest thing with, if you do get an off day, which is kind of rare is to make sure you still eat a lot. Um, don't think, Oh, I don't, I'm not training today. I'm not playing today. I need to eat a lot less. If anything, sometimes you need to eat more because you finally get that chance to recover. And a lot of times during the week, your appetite can get shut down a little bit just because of all the training and you feel hungrier on that off day. This happens all the time with athletes and it's important to actually eat as much as you would on those off on those off days, eat as much as you would during the week, because you, that's where you recover. That's 
replenishing all the nutrients you you lost but also re restoring all the glycogen um so when you go into the training sessions during the next week or that game coming up you're at 100 percent. so it's definitely more yeah on off days don't neglect your nutrition stay hydrated eat all your meals eat all your snacks don't skip out at all um because it's just if, if you do then you're going to start the week um less than 100 percent, and you're never going to really be able to catch up mm-hmm. in terms of uh sleep i know that um you know uh same thing we talked about earlier that you do a, a quick google search and you're probably going to get like 10 different opinions on mm-hmm. uh how much sleep sh- uh, someone should have um you know what the quality should be you know that sort of thing and uh I guess, how does that all factor in, um, you know, knowing that, you know, in the case of a, a high school player or a teenage player, um, their body's changing and evolving, and, um, you know, those sleep demands probably look different than say, you know, a player that's 10 or 11, but there's still a consistency that they all need at least a baseline level, probably, I would guess, um, mm-hmm. of sleep. Heck, I'm you know, uh, uh, in, in my mid thirties and I still need a, a significant amount of sleep, I feel like. So, um, I don't know, but t- tell me about sleep and kind of how all that factors into, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, equation. All right. So, I mean, obviously that's not my main area of expertise, but it is obviously, like you said, very important. Um, the basics of it are, yeah, I mean, there's varying, but ideally you try to get seven and a half to nine hours of sleep a night. Um, younger, younger people actually need more sleep than older people. It's kind of, it seems kind of silly, but yeah, like someone that's 80 years old can get on, get by on like four hours of sleep a night, but someone who's developing and growing get, yeah, needs up to that seven and a half to nine hours of sleep. The problem is it's very hard for athletes to get that, especially college athletes, because you know, you're up late studying and then you have a 6 a.m. Uh, sprint workout and then you have class. So that's where naps come into play. And those are, those are vital, but yeah, sleep is when you recover. That's, you know, you finally get the chance. Um, that's why a lot of times I'll recommend athletes have, you know, some kind of protein snack shortly before they go to sleep because the amino acids break down and help with muscle growth and recovery throughout the night as they're sleeping. So that's always a good trick. Um, but yeah, that's the basis of it is, you know, pri- make sure you make sleep a priority and then just some nutrition tips to help with sleep if athletes are struggling. Uh, tart cherry juice is great. It's um, it helps with recovery a lot with inflammation and just reducing soreness, but it also helps with natural melatonin levels to help you sleep better at night. And um, you know, I've noticed I've had some athletes that said, you know, I I have trouble you know falling asleep and staying asleep at night. I'm like, you're 16, uh, you're going to school all day and then working out like crazy after school. Uh, you know, there really shouldn't be a reason why you can't pass out at night. So I had them start doing tar tar juice, eight ounces every night before he goes to sleep with a little bit of protein. And when I met him again, two weeks later, he's like, yeah, I've been sleeping through the night now. So, um, sleep's important, but you got to make sure you're doing the right things to help you sleep through the night. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe rewind a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, the actual diet. Um, and again, about, you know, some people talk protein some people say you need sort of a mix of protein and you know, fruits, vegetables, carbohydrates, uh, you know, those sort of things. What would you recommend that, you know, if I came to you and said, you know, hey, Derek, like, I really need to, you know, I, I find myself sort of, uh, you know, kind of breaking down and having a little bit of like afternoon fatigue, right? Like, 
anywhere between, you know, say three and four o'clock, I just feel like, God, I could go for a nap or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, but I, know, but I know that I have to get ready for training here at, you know, four thirty, five o'clock. Um, you know, what, what would you say to them or what should their diet look like? And even, you know, from the moment they wake up throughout the day, how many times should they be eating? Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Right. And, so it's hard to give a, a straight answer to that because it's so individualized by the person. And that's the beauty of nutrition counseling is it's so personalized and everyone's a little bit different. But what I would do is I would look at, you know, what are you doing earlier in the day? So it's not just, all right, I'm lacking energy at three o'clock. I need a snack right now. Cause I mean, you probably do, but what are you doing earlier in the day? Are you eating a bunch of, you know, simple carbs with no protein so that your, your blood sugar is just going up and down. And so you're, full of energy for like 20 minutes and then you crash right and go back and forth are you eating a lot of protein and fats and getting no carbs so you're also lacking in energy throughout the rest of the day um usually what i've noticed with athletes it's it's the latter they just don't eat much at all earlier in the day so i prioritize that. i make sure you know get a solid breakfast because if you're running out the door eating a banana as your breakfast and that's the only thing you eat until lunch you're already so far behind especially as an athlete and it's very hard to catch up. You know, most of the time they catch up at dinner, which is after all their training. And, you know, it doesn't help much. Um, so I look at that. Make sure you're getting a balanced breakfast. You know, you're getting a fruit in there. You're getting some healthy, you know, carbs. And you're getting good protein source in there. Eggs, uh, peanut butter, turkey sausage, um, milk, yogurt. And then get a snack in there and then get uh, your solid lunch. Chances are if you have that 10.30 a.m. lunch period, you're not going to get that snack before, but then you're going to get at least two snacks between lunch and your training session. Um, and then always, you know, carbs are the main staple as an athlete. So everything, every time you eat, it's got to be some kind of good carb in there, but then getting that, those antioxidants, getting the proteins, the healthy fats in there to further help, you know, sustain your energy and keep up your energy throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so early in the conversation, you were talking a little bit about, um, you know, recognize, uh, recognizing that if an athlete, uh, you know, might have uh, an eating disorder or, you know, something along those lines. And I'm curious what those conversations might look like. Um, I'd gone to school um, with a, um, they happen to be female, but I know it's not sort of exclusive to females mm-hmm. uh, by, by any stretch that, um, you know, a few folks that had eating disorders and uh, one person in particular was in a really rough, it was, it's a really tough situation. Um, and I, I'm curious, you know, cause I, I think probably in your role, it, it's fairly similar to my role in the fact that like a coach today, whether it be, you know, focused on health and wellness and nutrition or on speed and agility or, you know, coaching a match or, you know, training session or whatever, we are much more than just being a coach. Right. We're mm-hmm. ears, we're eyes, we're we might find out things that they don't want, you know, uh, an athlete doesn't want their parent to know about or their sibling or, you know, something like that. And, um, you know, I, I know it's probably more of like the, the psychological side of what we do. But, uh, you know, uh, what has that been like when you've had those conversations or um, maybe you've noticed something and maybe the athlete has been trying to sort of hide it or you know, something along those lines. So fortunately I haven't dealt a whole lot with eating disorders, uh, just the nature of the teams I've worked with and just 
you know, just hasn't happened. Um, and then of the ones I've had with disordered eating, I haven't dealt with anyone that has, you know, your classic, uh, classic right word, but you know, your anorexia or bulimia. I haven't had any athletes with those. Um, but overall, I've, I mean, I've had some disordered eating behaviors, but regardless of what it is, it's, yeah, like I said, it's all psychological and that's how the approach is. So it's not, it's not a nutritional intervention, at least in the beginning, it's, you know, trying to find the triggers. There's, there's always some kind of trigger that's causing it. Um, body distortion is one of them, but a lot of times it's, it's social pressure or pressure from coaches. Um, so more so in like, um, aesthetic sports, um, like equestrian and gymnastics and, and sometimes swimming and diving, uh, where, you know, you're on display and it's individualized. So those are the ones where we're prone to that. Um, and then it's just, like I said, it's just a psychological approach. There's different techniques. Um, and basically what you do is you talk it out with the athlete. You kind of find what their triggers are and let them talk and let them kind of come to it. And, and you help guide them through that and decide, realize, all right, this is what's triggering me. This is why I feel this way. This is why I'm doing this. And then you, you, know, you slowly develop ways to help them overcome those negative thoughts. Um, for example, you know, one of the athletes I worked with basically is just, you know, why does she feel like she needs to eat less and what's it doing to her body? And we came over those mental blocks and a lot of times it's control. Um, so what you notice with a lot of high school athletes, for example, um, they take a lot of AP classes, right? So they're under tremendous stress because they are in school all day. Then they come train and then they have to study all night. And for some people that takes a large mental toll on themselves and they feel out of control and food and exercise are something that they feel they can control. And that that's just what happens. And it's once they kind of understand that you work with them to find ways to build a healthy relationship with food. So it's not your classic nutrition, in, in, uh, nutrition intervention where it's saying, Hey, add this in or take this out. It's helping them rebuild a healthy relationship with food and realizing food is fuel and it's necessary for their bodies and to help them with their athletic performance. I wish I had a, uh, a healthy relationship with food when I was, a <laughs> ki- <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, I was, people laugh when I tell them this story, but, uh, you know, I was a, a fairly overweight, uh, youth player, uh, youth athlete. And, uh, it wasn't until, you know, late in high school and early part of college, but I'm the guy who went to college and actually, um, you know, ended up losing weight. You always hear about the the freshman fifteen, and I I probably went the opposite direction, and um, you know have luckily got to a place now where it's funny. So I went from being what I would consider overweight, then I was looking back on it, I saw, see pictures of myself thinking I was probably underweight. And I think now uh, in my mid thirties of kind of being at a place where I actually feel you know uh, pretty good about uh, kind of where I'm at and it at a healthy weight, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to run a, a Tough Mudder or a, a Spartan race or a, a marathon anytime soon, but I'm also not, uh, you know, uh, kind of breathing super heavy, uh, you know, after a, a run or, or whatever. So, um, and I guess it, it all goes back to balance, you know, of, of uh, an athlete's life that I think it's it can be really tough for some athletes to find that balance, right? Because they can be so singularly focused on that one thing and you know they, they put all their eggs in one basket in essence of being really good at that one thing but they neglect you know other areas of their life um i'm curious for you uh where do you see all this going 
and uh, you know, maybe five years down the road or, or something like that. Um, you know, would you like to work in the college game again? Would you like to keep doing what you're doing? Um, and, you know, what, what do you think the, the future might hold? Yeah, I'm still trying to, you know, plan it all out. Um, right now, I really want to focus on helping high school athletes and college athletes get to that next level. Um, you know, working the college ranks was great. Like I said, especially working with Duke soccer was just an unreal experience. And I saw the competitive level that they play at and all that. And I, you know, I want to help high school players get to that level. And then I also want to help, you know, college players in their offseason who maybe not don't have access to a dietitian at their college, help them get to that pro level and realize their dreams. And that that's basically what I'm here is to help you maximize your performance to realize those dreams. Um, yeah. And in terms of long term future, I really want to build, you know, my practice and continue, you know, working with those athletes. Uh, I don't see myself necessarily going back to the college level. Uh, ideally, you know, if there's MLS jobs that open up, that would be great. Um, Cause a lot of times there's an off season involved there. So I could still, you know, work with athletes like high school and college athletes in the off season, in addition to um, my in season duties. Cause you know, I don't want to you know, totally give up the, uh, the private practice, but in the college setting, you can't do that because it's year round. So, yeah, I noticed uh, when I was watching the uh, U.S. women's national team yesterday, the one, the, the number of people, not just coaches that they have on their bench. Um, actually, <laughs> it made me laugh because I was like, man, do they have enough seats for everybody? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you have trainers, you uh, I mean, people running out on the field. Um, I mean, I'm sure they have specialists that specialize in specializing, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it, it probably like a, an ideal situation <laughs> and, and rightfully so. I mean, these are the, the best of the best, um, you know, for our country or, or whatever. Um, yeah. I know you mentioned that uh, you're in New Jersey, but if someone listening to this in California or Texas or Florida or, or whatever, um, you know, wanted to connect with you and, you um, you know, your message sort of really resonated with them as a listener. Uh, what would you say to them? Um, so actually first, yeah, back to the, the point about women's national team quickly, they yeah. actually hired a dietitian back in the fall uh, for, for the first time. So maybe that had a, a role in the 13, nothing score yesterday. Who knows? <laughs> um, but hey, I, I like to believe it did. And to your other question. Yeah. Everything I do is remote based. Um, if someone's in New Jersey near me, I can meet them in person. I, I mean, I have an office, but um, yeah, I can work around the country uh, remotely. Everything's done by video chat. Um, and that's the beauty of nutrition counseling. You know, strength training, you have to be in person because you're, you know, you're doing the workouts. But nutrition counseling, you know, it's just like how we're talking right now or even, you know, video chat. It's, it, it's so easy to do. Um, what I like about it, too, especially with young athletes, is it allows more flexibility, too, because their, their schedules are so crazy that they don't have time or they only have a little window of time. Um, I have one athlete that he can only, he was only able to talk to me like eight o'clock at night. And I'm like, all right, that's fine because you know, I'm at home. I just finished eating dinner. All right, let me hop on FaceTime for 30 minutes and, and have this session. And that's what's great. So yeah, if you're in California, if you're in Hawaii, even, you know, anywhere in the country, yeah, I'm able to help you through video chat. Um, yeah, it's pretty simple and it works. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, go ahead and, and plug uh, how all the ways that uh, people can reach out to you and your website and social media and, and that sort of thing. Okay, yes. So my social media, my Instagram is FC uh, underscore nutrition. Um, in case no one knows what underscore is, you hit shift and then the key that's next to the zero, that's the underscore. 
I don't know if they teach that. My website is fcnutritionnj.com. And my email address is Derek. So it's D-E-R-E-K at fcnutritionnj.com. Good deal, man. Uh, thank you for coming on the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. And, thank um, you for having me. <laughs> really practical, uh, just helpful information that I think uh, coaches and parents and, and players that listen to this podcast, um, you know, and like I said, when we start our conversation, to give them really that panoramic view, um, you know, because, uh, I mean, nutrition, I, I agree. Every, everything you said, Derek, that, you know, it, it's that one thing that it always feels like it gets pushed to the back burner or, you know, it's easy to grab Chick-fil-A or fast food or, or something like that. And, you know, you're actually <laughs> all the, all the good work you just put in, basically you just shot yourself in the foot well, because, actually, you know, yeah. go ahead. Chick-fil-A actually, it's funny that you mentioned that it's actually not as bad as people might think, which I'm sure a lot of people will be happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> when you look, when you look at their nutrition facts, it's like their chicken sandwich is having four grams of saturated fat, which really isn't that bad. You know, it's um, about as much as, you know, three eggs or something. Um, and it's, you know, it's a great source of you know, calories. It's actually at Duke. Um, that was our most popular post-game meal that I planned out. Um, it was just an easy way to get, you know, upwards of a thousand calories because that's what they needed after yeah. the game um, within budget. And they loved it. And whether it's science, superstition, or consequence, Whenever we had Chick-fil-A as a post-game meal, we never lost the following game. <laughs> so I take that, that as what you <laughs> might see. But, yeah, um, it, it was just funny that you mentioned that because, yeah, they, <laughs> they love Chick-fil-A to see it. And it's, you know, it's actually, especially on a budget or on the run, it's it, when you're looking at fast food and fast casual, it's, I would say uh, Chick-fil-A and Chipotle and sorts of chain restaurants are probably your two best options as, um, you know, post-game soccer player. Okay. Good deal, man. Yeah. That's uh, no, that I really helpful uh, to, to know that. And I think the um, man, the, I, I love what you said about sort of the uh, the superstition because I am <laughs> incredibly. I mean, my wife laughs at me, but I am incredibly superstitious. And then you know, if we've we've had a, a match where we've done well or something like that, I basically have to replicate. Uh, you know, the next match, the routine, how we warmed up, what I wore, what time I arrived, what I ate. Um, and we're, we're psychotic, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but that's part of it, you know? Yeah. I played with a kid in high school. Um, his superstition was a little gross, but yeah, he never washed his Jersey. So he was a four year varsity starter, never washed his Jersey. And I mean, he was one of the best players in the state. So let's say it worked, but it was disgusting. And, uh, he uh, usually have to return your jerseys at you know at the end of the season or in your career. Um, he was allowed to keep his. <laughs> no, no one wanted that one. <laughs> I bet he was a uh, a lot of fun to sit next to in the uh, in, in the locker room. And uh, maybe that's why he scored so much. No one wanted none of the defenders wanted to be so close. To them. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you for for coming on the show and uh, enjoyable to have you on and. Um, A big shout out to Derek Lipton for coming on the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. I hope that going forward, you're able to apply uh, some of the things and areas that Derek talked about in this particular episode. And Derek, welcome back anytime. Uh, it was a joy to talk to you and 
appreciate the the knowledge and insight you're able to provide uh, for the listeners. So good stuff, man. In the show notes of this episode, as well as other episodes, you will find info about each guest that comes on the show. So be sure to look up Derek and reach out to him that if you have questions or need a consultation or something like that, he is more than happy to connect with you. And you don't have to necessarily be in the state of New Jersey or close to Derek. Um, He is willing to work with clients virtually. So um, be sure to reach out to him and uh, hopefully he can help you that way. Also, in the show notes, you will see a link to the website that houses all archived episodes of this podcast. And I mention that because if you're new to the show, go back and check out some of the previous guests and episodes of the podcast. I think you'll enjoy the depth and the variety that we've been able or I've been able to provide to you, the listener. And the whole goal of this show is to make the footballing world and soccer world just a little bit smaller by connecting you to coaches, players, and influencers in the game that we love so much. All right, guys, you're going to get a new episode this Saturday, so look out for that. And I hope you have a great 4th of July if you celebrate that here in the U.S. Talk to you guys real soon. This has been the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Broadwater.